All right, so a first on the Mind of a Football Coach podcast. We got a whole bunch of dudes talking football, and uh, this is going to be fun. Uh, shout out to Kyle McElvaney. Kyle's going to feel better. He couldn't join us tonight, but he set this up, and uh, we're going to have some fun here. So, uh, guys, you wouldn't mind us introducing yourselves? Uh, just kind of go one at a time. I, let's go. Uh, let's go with Josh first, and we'll go. We'll go from there. Yeah, my name's uh, Josh Linke. I'm I'm from Toledo, Ohio. I'm I'm the head football coach at Toledo St. Francis de Sales High School in Toledo, Ohio. Awesome, uh, Jimmy, my friend. Go ahead, my friend. Guys, my name is Jimmy Flynn. I'm the defensive coordinator at Sandberg High School in uh, just outside of Chicago, Illinois, and uh, happy to be here tonight. Awesome. And then Keith, my friend. Uh, what's up, everybody? My name is Keith Tobridge. Uh, I am from Toledo, Ohio, but um, I am the new first-year OC offensive coordinator over at Pleasure Ridge Park High School in Louisville, Kentucky. Fantastic, man. And then Coach Ramsey in the house. Oh, my, your mic's muted, Coach. Coach I'm not a techie. Man. You're good, man. I'm the. Uh, my name's Danny Ramsey. I'm the offensive coordinator at Montgomery High School in Montgomery, Texas. Awesome. And then Coach Miller. Yeah, my name's Casey Miller. I am the offensive coordinator at Hunter High School in West Valley City, Utah. Fantastic, guys. So before we I start, you're the Mexican food coordinator in Utah. What's that? The Mexican food coordinator. Did you lie or you're the Mexican food coordinator in Utah? I am. We do we do coordinate some Mexican food. We're going to another Mexican restaurant this year for the clinic. It's going to be a good time. So, Casey, talk about that a little bit for people who don't know. What is your clinic? How does that work? How does somebody do this thing? So, uh, I'm the president of the Utah Football Coaches Association, and um, I was running a small clinic at my high school, partially because I was at schools that couldn't raise a lot of money. And so I was, I couldn't afford to take my guys to Vegas because that's like the closest blazer and Nike from here. And that, that costs a lot of money. Um, so we were running a, a clinic from my high school and um, our coaches association pretty much died. And so I was basically nominated to be the president and they said, turn your clinic into the state clinic. Um, and since I've been on Coach Huey for years and years and years, I've met a lot of these guys from Coach Huey. So I started flying people in um, to speak at this clinic, and it's been really successful. Uh, coach Ramsey was out here two years ago. Was that two years ago, Coach? Two years ago, man. It didn't seem like it, but. Yeah. Um, it's It's gone well. It's gone really well. Um, we've got – I got a Twitter profile for the Coaches Association. I'm blasting stuff out on there all the time. Uh, this year we've got the D.C. from Massillon in Ohio coming out to talk. we got the O.C. from – uh, St. Thomas Aquinas in Florida, um, college coaches from everywhere, high school coaches from Cali, Ohio, Florida. I've had guys from Texas up. Um, it's 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 growing, so we're still hoping to grow it a little bit more, but it's a lot of fun. We take all the guys out for dinner, and I pay the tab on Friday night, so that's the least uh, my least favorite part of it, but also my most favorite part of it. So. <laughs> That's awesome, man. So I hope, I hope you use that that tab as a tax write-off. Well, yeah, it's, it's it's built into the the cost of the clinic, so it's a little bit more expensive per person than the average clinic. Um, but I I tell the coaches like number one, if you go to Vegas, everyone's gonna be out like a thousand bucks a person anyway. 
So we're right. just charging people a hundred bucks a coach and we're taking care of food on Friday, food on Saturday. Heck yeah. Um, coach Ramsey can tell you it's a lot of fun, man. It we we have a lot of it's fun. It's a great clinic. It's a great clinic. It'll take off the sitting room. The more people that get to know it, it's he's done a great job. That's mm-hmm. awesome, man. You got any eye formation coaches out there? That's what we do. You got any eye, eye pro guys? That's me. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I pros like a dinosaur offense these days, though, man. Like people look at me like, "You run what? You run power eye, stick eye?" Like, yeah. yeah. And they're like, "What?" In the fifteen, frick? in fifteen, I was at Harriman out here. We won a state title, and my backup quarterback is now the starting offensive tackle for the Indianapolis Colts. So, wow, we were loaded. <laughs> Jeez, man, that's loaded. fantastic. Hey, so before we started recording, you guys were talking about the Super Bowl. What do you guys get out of watching pro tape? Do y'all get anything out of watching the NFL? Like, what do you try to gain from that? Truthfully, I so like this may sound really crazy because, you know, it it may not be rooted in any kind of substance. But like every week we'll try to put in a new two point play. And it's literally stuff that you see on Twitter. Like if I like it, I'll, I'll bookmark it. And then if I think we can fit it into what we do, we'll put it in. And, um, you know, we were, we were at Seagull this past year before I took the St. Francis job, and we used a, uh, quite a few NFL two-point plays off of Twitter, the, the Mike McDaniel stuff that he was doing with the Dolphins. And um, there was quite a few things that popped up that we were able to kind of utilize within our within our philosophies and what we think and believe and, and, and make it fit. I, I didn't believe we were just putting in plays. I mean, it had to work with what we do and what we got, but – um, so yeah, I mean, every time that stuff pops up on Twitter, man, if it's something I think we can fit, we'll bookmark it and, and utilize it. Man, Jimmy, you were talking about special teams, man. Like you special, you special teams coordinator and I bet you just t- steal all kinds of stuff. I would imagine. Yeah. That. You know, like I, I was on Twitter today looking, I was trying to find posts that were given the, the chief special teams props for the game last night. But, you know, in such a tight game, I, I thought that that was the one segment that that really put them over the top and won them the game. Um, I, I don't know how, how many field goals or how many, but I think they had 12 or 13 points just off of kicking the ball, you know, and, and their snaps, their holds, their uh, their punts, they had some, they had some bombs. Um, they covered punts well. Uh, they minimized their mistakes and, and the 49ers didn't. So like, that was the one thing like they were talking after the game and they were giving props to Mahomes and Kelsey and all the other guys, but they, they should have been given props to, to uh, the kicker and, and Dave Tobe. Um, but when you look at the chiefs, their three coordinators are arguably the three best coaches, like arguably I said in the NFL, like Tobe is an unbelievable special teams guy. Uh, their DC is a stud. Andy Reid does a great job. So I just think that their special teams were, were unbelievable last night. Anytime you miss a good point, it will bite you. I didn't get that. Oh, it's anytime you miss an extra point, it will bite you in the ass. Oh, no doubt. No doubt, man. Yeah. Especially in a tight game. You know, from a, from a defensive perspective, one of the things I try to do, like when I watch an NFL game or a college game, is I like to name everything. So if we're talking about like tackling uh, the types of tackles, you know, I name every type of tackle. So, you know, you got the swipe tackle, the the roll tackle, the trail tackle, the hawk tackle, uh, the high strike tackle. So you try and name them all so, so then you could teach it because I don't think you could teach a skill if you don't name it. And I was watching the game last night and I was trying to find tackles 
that I haven't named yet uh, for, for our program. Um, and uh, so I'm going through and I'm kind of listing, hey, you know, that was a trail tackler. That was a that was a swipe tackler. That was a roll tackle. So that's something that, you know, I, I had done, you know, defensively, you know, and then special teams wise, if you guys play against any pro style punt teams where you have the two wings and the two gunners with the PP, um, the, the NFL style punt, just go on, go on YouTube and type in NFL punt blocks 2023 or NFL punt blocks 2022. And, you know, a, 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 a bunch of punt blocks will come up and you can just look at how they, how they rush the punter. Um, or in college, I'll type in, you know, uh, college NCAA punt blocks 2021. So I'd gotten a lot of punt pressures and field goal pressures just from watching, you know, pro tape or, or college tape. That's awesome, man. What do y'all think about the pro, like pro style offense, the condensed formation stuff? I mean, the, the shift, trade, motion. I mean, that's just, like, I feel yeah. like it's so wordy to do that, but people that is do a- it. So, so my, of course, myself being a first year OC and having like a few years of being in college and a few years being in the NFL, like motions and shifts, like the way that the NFL uses motion and shift to determine what coverage is what to get mat matchups correctly, to hide splits, to run certain plays and do it. 49ers did a great job of it last night. I th- I want to say they. I've seen a stat that they used motion 78% of the time last night. And that was rather from bringing a running back from number three all the way to home, from moving a tight end, trading a tight end from left to right, from exploding from one formation to the condensed formation or whatever it looks like. But it, they utilize motion to determine man or zone. Um, and that's a little bit hard in high school football, I would say, so to say, just because of in high school football, especially here in Louisville, it's either cover three or man to man. So you're literally going to get what you're going to get without even, <laughs> without even freaking yeah. motion. And right? if, so, if your best wide receiver is also your starting safety and you're running yes. in 25 yards sideways, that's an extra 25 yards that you don't want to. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I've been trying to at least like save certain things and huddle with my playbook, like, Hey, like slinky. Uh, when I when I say slinky, you're literally taking the wide, you're taking the slot, and you're literally going from right to left and going back. So you're crossing the backside A, you're getting back to the backside, I mean to the front side A to get back into your spot. So certain things like that, I try to use like motion to shifts or trades, um, especially for our offense. Just kind of I like to make the defense over communicate, especially when you motion to shift. Shift. They already got to communicate. Make them overly communicate. Mm-hmm. And then if something miss messes up, then boom, we're good to go. Especially on the offense end. So. It has been awesome to see the last like five to 10 years, I think just in the high school game, college game, and even in the NFL, like maybe not as prevalent in the NFL when, I mean, Chip Kelly, when he was there, tried to utilize it. But, you know, 10 years ago, it was tempo, 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 tempo. And I think a lot of offensive guys have found themselves not teaching offense uh, constructively enough. And and there wasn't a lot of technique being taught offensively. It was just, hey, we're going to out-tempo somebody. Well, defensive coordinators have gotten way too good in adjusting. And so they've got checks and calls and answers for almost everything now, no matter what kind of tempo you're going to go. Um, so I think it's cool to see how offensive guys have now adjusted to shifts and trades, to motions, to, I mean, we saw the motion last night where, he, you know, it was real early in the game. The Niners did it. It was a yo-yo motion where he came back around and settled himself back down. He was like 12 yards deep in the backfield um, and then ran a route from there. Um, and I forgot who, who it made a man, maybe a Debo Samuel, but um, 
just it's been it's been really cool i think to see the the evolution um of, of going from tempo 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 offensively to now you're seeing a lot more of people play smash mouth football utilize motions utilize heavier personnel sets um and uh you know the game is kind of coming back around to what it used to be per se yeah i mean michigan won that championship pounding the rock i mean yeah. come on now that's beautiful stuff <laughs> like that's some beautiful stuff i mean I don't know, man. I'm a big believer, and I'm an old offensive lineman. I mean, I'm 80 pounds ago, you know, I want to run the football, play action. Is that like, is that what you guys do offensively? What is your flavor like? You know, what, what's your what's your take on this stuff? You do, coach. There you go. Coach Tober just got his audio. There you on. go. <laughs> I played tight end, and okay. I was a I played a Louisville. We were 12, 11 personnel, maybe 13 personnel. And we fucking ran the football with Teddy Bridgewater in the back. Then we got fucking Lamar with the spread and stuff like that. But, like, <laughs> for me, if I could get down, if I have two stud tight ends, I want to get these boys in three-point stands, and I want to run the fucking football. That's, like, my model. Like, me being able to run the football, setting up, giving your quarterback a chance in the pass game. Yes, sir. I think that's the biggest thing. Run the football. And then, of course, once you get into November, it starts to get cold outside. Guys don't want to tackle in the cold and run that football is very, very valuable in the playoffs, especially when, when you want to want to make a run for it. So if I, if I could, I would love to get in the 13 personnel and run the freaking football. <laughs> I hear it's a podcast, man. Say whatever you want. You know what I mean? I don't, <laughs> it's a podcast. There ain't no FCC on here. Um, but yeah, man. So what else? Like Coach Ramsey, I know we talked before on the podcast. What's your what's your deal now? You talked before. Is it kind of the same that we you have the podcast below? What was it last year? I think you were on. I mean, uh, yeah, we were. Um, I like to be 60 40 or as close to 50 50 as I can be because the people that are difficult, like I've, I've been an OC, I've been a DC, I've been a, all the different things between. And the guys that are most difficult to defend are when you don't know what the hell they're going to run next. Like if it's second and two and you don't know that they're going to pound the rock, that's hard as hell. If it's if it's uh, mid range and you just don't know, like the, one of the best guys, one of the best play callers I know is Sean Bell. He's a quarterbacks coach now at U of H and used to be at he's been at Baylor for the longest time. But he was the head coach down here at Mac West and defending that sucker was as hard as and, and they weren't necessarily. I mean, they were way t- more talented than we were. Um, but just defending him, just knowing what to get in because he was 50-50 and literally down the line at every down and distance was 50-50. Like, you don't know where to go with that from a defensive standpoint. So for me, I, you know, I'm an all-offensive lineman. I'm a, Emery Ballard was my head coach in high school. So give me, give me a four-point stance and a pulling guard. Like, I'm down. Um, we teach options in all of the things that I do from the gun. And so I love running the football. So 60-40 to me is ideal. Um, but that's because I can handle, you know, we learned old school. I wish I wish I had a board and we could put it on here. But it, like when I was a guard in high school, we learned so much stuff that the kids now would never even remotely fathom as a guard. Like you had to identify defenses as a guard and call it out every play. And you had to know yes. it was one of four defenses and it was a, a tight or a loose and it was an off or not. And And then you had to know all the rules. And I had to know them for all of my guys because. We weren't the smartest group in the in, in the bunch. We were bigger than crap. We were the bigger than the Houston Oilers when I was in high school. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, they, uh, Octavius Bishop, uh, uh, David Snow. I mean, you're talking about university. Me, I went to McPherson College. <laughs> I was the runt. I was like 
260. But oh Octavius went to UT. David Snow went to Oklahoma State. Uh, Ed Pollard went to Granger Junior College, but he but he easily could have gone to any of the other ones. The guy that backed him up went to Wyoming, and the guy that was the left tackle went to New Mexico State. So I mean, they were huge. But uh, but sixty forty is my is is what my ideal percentage would be. But it, we we vary. It depends on who we're playing with. You know, we had a yeah uh, my, my second year at Tomball High School as a head coach. We had a receiver that had to come over and play quarterback because we had no athletes to play in that spot. And definitely the guy, like the guy that was going to play quarterback was the best quarterback for the other team. He didn't throw the ball to us. He threw it to them. So he couldn't play for us, but we put an athlete back there and we won two games where we threw the ball for a total of four times because that's what we could do. So I, I, my tendency in offense is to call according to what we have. And so our offense is, is fluid. Like, I'll teach option, but if he can't run option, I'm going to make it to where he got layups. He can give the ball away or that he's a runner. Um, you know, the kid that I have this year that I've had for the last two years is a great runner. So we've done a lot. I, I was not a pin pool guy till I got here and we created a set of rules that made it really easy. Um, it's basically either you got a guy on the backside or you don't. If you got a guy on the backside, you just zone that guy back. If not, you're pulling. So we can get four guys pulling theoretically based on what we're seeing. Um, send the running back the wrong direction and have the quarterback follow the train of dudes. Like that's a really, really difficult play for people to defend. And we ran it really well this last year. So that's awesome, man. I've I become think, a pin I would have never told you that never until this year, man. That's so good. So I think coaching in high school is a lot of, for me, it's hey, I want to do this, but my people can do this. <laughs> right. You know, like that's the balance. That's the balance, right? I mean, otherwise, like, otherwise, otherwise, you ain't gonna last. Yeah, I mean, you just don't win. You won't won't be competitive at all. Because um, yeah, there's stuff I well, like to me too. Like we're talking about, we're talking about watching the NFL, and I like watching the NFL, but I think it's about certain guys. So if you're watching the two coordinators, you're calling like you're watching Shanahan and you're watching Reed last night, you're gonna get something from those guys mm-hmm. offensively because they're yeah. creative as all get out. We run the freaking throwback pass where the quarterback was the guy who's catching that ball or the play that they run at the end of the game, which is a Devon. That's a, that's a Sarkeesian play. Mm-hmm. Uh, he runs it with Alabama with, uh, with Devonte Smith, like three years yeah. or four years ago when they won the national championship, he ran that play for two points to win the they game. The one that they won, they, they ran, they murdered, Devontae they murdered Ohio state on orbit motion. And cause Ohio state was playing a bunch of man free and got roasted. Back, I like to start smirk. But then the guys that you learn something from in terms of a high school coach, in my opinion, are your D3 guys and your D2 guys who get who they get because that's who we are. Or we go and visit other staffs because I can't, we don't recruit. Like you can't recruit down here. You can't legally recruit down here. How about that? <laughs> I'm not naive, but you've got to, you got. So if your linemen are all 210, 180, whatever they are, you still got to block people and you still got to put people in places where they can do some stuff that's successful. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's beautiful, man. And then defensively, it's the same deal, right? You're, we're trying to fit people where they, where they can go. I mean, no doubt. I mean, I like this, but if I only got like five D linemen, I better run some kind of odd front. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or what do you think coach Flynn? Like what, what's your take on all that? Like, Cause it, I feel like sometimes I go back and forth like, Hey, I, I like this. I want to install this and do this for 
five years, but then crap, I don't have the. the yeah, you know, Coach that. Miller just posted that one time he ran ISO seventeen plays in a row. I can tell you right now, like the worst thing as a defensive coordinator is when you have a slow bleed and you can't stop it and you're just bleeding out. And that's the worst feeling in the world. Like if you give me guys that are going to drop back, we're going to find a way to get pressure on the quarterback. But if you're running the ball successfully and we can't stop you and, you know, we've, 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 we've brought four, we've blitzed, uh, you know, we've gotten to an odd front. We played a little 46 and we still can't stop you. And we're kind of out of options and you're still running ISO at us. That's one yeah. of the worst feelings in the world. You know, um, that's why like any, any head coach you talk to will say like, there's a couple things you have to do as a team to win. One of them is you have to stop the run, you know, and, and then that, and it makes it really hard. And I guess for, you know, the personnel that, that, that you have, I just think if you are technique masters, you could coach almost any scheme as long as your focus is not on the scheme, it's on the technique. Because I think technique means everything. Like this year, we ran a we, we ran a, a, a four two five gap control, hands on, squeezing gaps, real physical with our hands. And I think I averaged like one ninety five across the board on the D line. We were small. Um, and for for around here, uh, we play in the biggest conference, um, one of the biggest conferences in the state. And I had some little midgets on the line, man. And and I think their technique was really really good. Um, a lot of guys would say, well, they're too small. You can't do that. Um, or when I was coaching in college, we, we competed against some division two and division one, double a schools, FCS schools. And the technique that we used, well, I was, oh, you can't, my guys aren't big enough or my guys aren't strong enough. But I think what it comes down to is technique. Like if, if the focus is technique, you could have undersized guys, you could have shorter guys or slower guys. But I think technique is everything. The last thing is I don't, you can't be scared to like bastardize the technique. Um, if your guys can't play like jab motor go or, or, or press coverage, bump and run, then switch up the technique. Even if it's, even if it's something that nobody else is doing, uh, just switch it up and make it work for you. I think a lot of people are scared to do that because if it doesn't work, they look like an idiot. Um, but we played a lot of man coverage this, this year with eyes on the quarterback because uh, we could not run well. We didn't run well and it worked really, really well. Um, for what we did. So I just think a lot of guys get nervous to like, to, to venture out or do things that other teams aren't doing. Um, but if, if you don't have the guys, um, you can, you can get really good at whatever technique you're running. Um, if it works for your guys, it works. There's no one size fits all. Mm -hmm. That's awesome, man. That's such good wisdom. Cause Turbridge 13 personnel, man. Talk to me about that. <laughs> you can do so much. You can oh, do so much 13 personnel. I may be, I may be biased just because I play tight end, but you got if you if you got three you got three tight ends. One guy can straight up block, one guy who's balanced who can do a little bit of both and receive, and then you also have just a receiving tight end. You can do so much with it. You got to go thirteen personnel, and the defense goes base, and then you explode out to empty personnel with <laughs> with one receiver, three tight ends in the back. Like you're you're at a mismatch. So I think tight ends are a mismatch all over the all over the field, no matter where they are. Um, and I think that's really the biggest thing. Like, in a perfect world, if I can literally have three guys, three tight ends, I would literally live in 13 personnel. And I can go from strong eye. I can go from wing. I can go from uh, from box. I can go from anywhere within within those within those three guys and still be able to run the same exact stuff. 
um, as I as if I was in spread personnel. So, um, like I said, perfect world, I would I would do so, but I think my aspect I can't. <clears throat> right now, I got um, I have three damn good receivers. I got an H back who's legit, so I'm gonna have to legit probably go spread personnel. I got a quarterback who's six three, six four, who's never played varsity football. Um, but can really freaking sling the dang on ball. Just never had his opportunity. So now I'm at the point where I kind of got to readjust everything that I've know. Let him rip it, man. <laughs> and, and go out and just grip it. So I'm like, now nah, in my head, I got to go empty personnel. I got to go four wide. Nope, I got to do all types of stuff. But in the perfect world, if it was up to me, I would literally have three guys, three tight ends, and I would literally <laughs> run everything in the playbook. <laughs> That's awesome. And Coach Slinky, you just you took a, you took a new <laughs> job, man. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I was just recently the last two years, I was the head coach at Otsego High School. I actually left Keith's alma mater. I was the I was over there coaching quarterbacks um, with Coach Dempsey, who, you know, I can't Keith can attest to this. I can't say enough good things about Coach Dempsey. I mean, the Dang. dude is the goat, man. When it, you come to not just Ohio high school football coaches, but really any any coach in the country, uh, he's phenomenal. So um what was over there for three years and then took the head job not see go see talk about like culture shock and just you know go for go from having a bunch of dudes to um not a whole lot of dudes we were at a small rural school um you know a division went from a division two school to a division five school um and we did a lot of good things over there we were you know we were 10 and 10 in our time there um you know in two years so made a playoff appearance um you know, and did some really good things and had to, had to make some adjustments. I mean, you talk about, again, going from a big school to a small school, that was a, that was a huge deal and trying to, you know, the, when I first got over there thinking that we were going to do everything that we did at Central and that was the the furthest thing from the truth. And then uh, took the job at Salido St. Francis. I actually worked here before two years in 2017 and 2018 as the offensive coordinator before I went to Central Catholic. So this is my second stop now at St. Francis. Um, and they've had a ton of turmoil and a ton of turnover at the head coaching position the last four. I mean, I, if you if you count all the interim coaches and myself now, I'm the sixth head coach in four years there. Good, so, yeah. So you talk about, uh, you know, just no stability whatsoever. Um, and there's talent. I mean, there's no doubt there's talent. It's just, the, you know, there's there's been no stability. I mean, the the guy that was doing a good job, Dan Chipka, left in 2020 um, right after the COVID year. Um, and he was building it. So, you know, took over in 2017 and, and they had won one game, I think, in three years. First year went two and eight. Second year went four and six. His third year, they went six and four. And then his fourth year, they went seven and three um, and made the playoffs the last two years. Um, so he left and took a college job, though, in June. So then they hired Bruce Gronkowski. Not sure if any of you guys are familiar with him, but um, hired Bruce, uh, who played in the league for a couple of years, played at Toledo. Um, he did it on a one-year basis, signed on to be the long-term guy, and then left a month later. So he left in June again. So then now they did an interim again. Um, so the interim told him, we're, you know, we're going to be here for a year. Uh, interim was out. So, you know, then they hired this guy, and there were some off-the-field issues that came with it. And uh, he was fired after four games um, just because of some of his own discretion. So, um, you know, then they had an interim, and then I got hired in December. And they got me in the building in January, which was huge. Um, so I am, uh, currently right now, they, they brought me in as a teacher, but I'm, I'm, I'm subbing for one period during the day. And then I, I have a one period lunch duty. Um, and then I get to focus on football for the rest of the eight periods throughout the day. So, and then next year I'll teach one health class. Um, and then it'll be all football throughout those eight periods of the day. So they hooked me up pretty good. They understand what, what's kind of at stake in terms of the amount of work it's going to take to get it turned around. 
Um, you know, our, our weight room numbers when we first started back in January were not great. That was kind of the biggest, there's been no weight room culture the last three years. So that's kind of been our biggest task to try to tackle, which is, um, you know, in a place like St. Francis, I mean, Keith, you, you can, I mean, you, you would imagine a place like St. Francis that wouldn't happen, but it, it, it has, I mean, there's been last year, I know there was times when there was four kids in the weight room, you know, and this was leading up until June, you know what I mean? So, um, that's been our biggest task so far. And, for a division two school, I mean, we're nowhere where we need to be, but our weight room number has been anywhere from like 28 to 40 kids pretty consistently for four days a week. So um, it'll get there. It's just going to take some time. And I think that's the biggest piece. You know, when you talk about taking over a new program that hasn't had a weight room culture, that is the biggest piece to try to fix and figure out right off the bat as a head coach, because if the kids are used to three or four years of just kind of come and go as you please and not having any program, um, you know, that's hard to break and it's hard to get by. And, you know, for these seniors, this is their fourth head coach or fifth head coach technically. Oof. So, um, you know, that's, that's a lot, you know, so we're fighting those battles right now and it's, it's a, it's a steady race and uh, you know, it's going to take some time, but the fruit is there, man. It's just, it's, it's, it's going to take some time and it's going to take some, you know, uh, some some tough, hard-nosed kids that kind of get us out of these times. So we're excited. I mean, I knew taking this job, it was going to be a ton of work, um, but, you know, super excited. This is not my third year as a head coach. So uh, definitely a different set of, set of uh, you know, deal that we're taking over here now compared to when we took over at Otsego. We were taking over a program that was 21 and two, you know, the past two years prior. So taking over a super, super healthy program, uh, had its own set of challenges and now taking over a program that's, uh, you know, has hit rock bottom over and over again the last couple of years. It has its own unique set of challenges. So it's fun, though. Hmm. When y'all go into a new place, what's the first thing you do? Coordinator, head coach, what's the first thing you do when you, when you walk in the door? You got to get with the kids in the weight room and I, you got to start building relationships with those kids, man, because it don't matter how fast they are. If they don't love you, they ain't going to do shit for you. No. Yeah. Like that's, that's that's huge. And that's like, that's where I, you know, I knowing our administration understood that getting me in the building in in January. And and fortunately enough, I see was allowed me out of my contract in December and, um, you know, because I went from public to private. So I was in a public school and went to private. So that comes with a whole new set of things and getting out of a a public school contract. And um, so they, they allowed that. But that's the thing, man, just being able to have the ability of these kind of four or five months to kind of lay the groundwork, so to speak, and meet kids, talk to kids, hang out with kids, build those relationships before we get to June. Um, Cause that's tough. And, you know, taking over a new job, if you can't get into the building or can't, you know, see the kids consistently until May, June, that makes it really tough going into year one. You know, I, I'll add on a pretty unique perspective onto this. You know, I think, you know, if you, if you go into a job and you work really hard, and you treat people the right way, I think it's relatively simple to get the kids on your side. I think the hardest thing to do is to get the coaches on your side, you know, and, and so I've had a couple opportunities, like when I went from high school to college, and then, you know, and then back to high school, uh, both of the jobs where, where I took those jobs were at, were at solid, historically solid football programs. But going in, I just say, you know, my job is to empower other people. My job is to be a servant leader. Uh, my job is to like is to support people um, in every regard, and especially the coaches. I think like when when you start a new job or you take over at a new school, if you can develop really good relationships with the staff members and the other coaches, then it trickles down to the kids. 
But if you get a job and you treat the kids great and you love the kids and, but the, but the, but the coaches aren't on the same page as you are, or you're not loving on the coaches as much as you should be, that trickles down to the kids as well. And I think just starting a new job and if you can get all the coaches in the building or, or wherever, like on your side and you work together as a unit, I think then getting the kids to buy in is a byproduct of that. I think it happens. It happens naturally instead of like artificially. It just happens. Yeah, man, that's good. Coach Ramsey, any thoughts on that? He's on mute. You're on mute, Coach. There you go. I think uh, I think both are valid points. I mean, I I, uh, I used to subscribe and still do, actually, because to me, uh, like the first thing that I'm going to do day one is I'm going to get to know kids. But for me, it's about building culture. And so in doing so, we do a lot of different things as a staff. If we're going to be together, we're going to need to learn what it means to be family. So consider it brother, sister, whoever it is, because as a head coach here, you're also the athletic director most of the time. And so we did things like white elephant parties where all of the coaches were involved, volleyball coaches, swim, it didn't matter. Everybody was involved and their families all were coming over for those kinds of things. Or we were doing start of the year barbecues where all of those people were invited to those things. Or as a football staff, you know, after a game, it's really good to have a place where we can diffuse. And so as a football staff, plus a couple of individuals here or there, even those other sport coaches were invited to come over after the home games to come to the house and just have a place where we could diffuse and be ourselves and not be uh, analyzing ourselves or going over the game plan of stuff, but we could talk about it if we wanted to, if that makes sense, because all of that time that we're spending, most of the time it's tunnel driven toward trying to figure out how to win. But if I don't know what drives you as a person, like it's really hard for me to get to know that guy, if that makes sense. So I think both both points are are equally valid. But like day one, I'm going to get to meet kids. Maybe day seven, I don't know what day, you know, I don't know what day it happens. But that staff, like I'm a West Airlines kind of guy. If I make my staff, they trust me and we're loyal there, then Coach Flynn is as right as you get. It's going to trickle down because kids are not stupid. Um, and you can't lie to kids because they can tell a fake. So so maybe the best word that I've like wrapped all of that stuff in in the past has been to be authentic, flat out to be. I'm real. Like, I'm going to tell you real. If you if you ask me a question, I'm going to give you real and the truth. And that's it. I'm not going to tell you any sugarcoating stuff. I'm not going to tell you what's not going to happen. I'm going to tell you flat out what's going to happen. And they appreciate that more than if it's than if you're trying to sell them a bill of goods like salesmen to me that's the worst kind of coaches that there are I, i'm going to sell you on what's real and what the world's going to do and what the world you know what what things you should do yeah man absolutely coach tobridge thank you for joining us man enjoy your meeting meeting yes sir absolutely y'all have a good one let me know what the next session is i i, I like this type of stuff so let okay. me know yeah heck yeah it's appreciate awesome, keith Later, yes man. sir have a good one heck see yeah. you coach so, yeah, that's good go, stuff. Yeah, man. I mean, so going in, taking a new a new gig. How many of y'all are this? Like you're within five years of being hired, like from your first the first year. Everybody. 
Okay. That's I don't cool. know if I understood. Like at our current school? At your current school. Yeah, your current school. Like you're oh, within yeah. the first, oh, first yeah. five. I'm like, I'm like two months yeah. in. Yeah. Two months in. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, was, I was talking to a, a guy the other day and he was like, man, I, I wish we'd go back to the old days and guys were there for 10 years. I'm just thinking, I don't know that that happens much anymore. And why do you think that? Why do y'all think that is? Why is it that people don't, it's not like a 10 year, you know what I mean? Like Bobby Bowden type stuff. Like, why is it that there's more turnover now? Anybody, go ahead. It depends on which level you're talking about, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, high school. I mean, high school, I feel like I it's it even got which level you're talking about and what the ambitions of, of folks are. I got you. Yeah. Like, I know myself, I, at one point in time, I was sitting and I'm talking about, uh, I'm talking about a guy and, 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 uh, you know, he wrote this book and he's been to these different schools and he was really successful at those places and he changed culture a lot. And, uh, and I'm looking at him and I got a little cynical and I was like, yeah, but this guy has only been it every place he goes, he's there for two years, wears out his welcome and he goes to the next place. And then I went and looked back at my career and even though I claim it to be, and, and it's the truth, like, I feel like I've been led to the places that I've been, like God's called us to be there. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so we've made moves that were that were crazy. Like people looked at me like I was stupid. You went from Waco high school to Tomball high school. What are you doing? Athletically? That was a ridiculous move, but my wife was being threatened. You know, she had her life threatened twice in a two week span and the kids back in class two days later, like I got to get out of that. Hmm. So, but I look, my point being my look back at my career and I'm like, dude, I've been doing this for 25 years and we've moved 11 times because of jobs. I've got 10 schools that I could put on a, like I had my daughter paint a, a set of cornhole boards and we put all the schools on one of them and it filled up real fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I learned to, you, as you've been a head coach, this is another thing that you'll do is you'll look at other coaches and you, where you used to be critical, you take a step back and go, wait a minute, dude, I know all the things that that guy's gone through and who knows what his story is. So mm-hmm. I'm not knocking that cat. Uh mm-hmm. But I no think, doubt. I, I think I say this all the time in interviews and and like like for head coaching jobs, which I'm trying to do now. But the the number one and the and the common denominator between all issues and conflicts is communication. It's either a lack of or a miscommunication. That's it. Period. In every relationship you have, conflict you have in any capacity whatsoever, it's a matter of communication. So somebody's expecting something. That didn't happen. Whether they communicated or not is the question, and usually the thing that gets people in trouble. That's beautiful, man. I mean, we had yeah. a similar we had a similar type of experience with with my previous job at Otsego. We uh, you know, we were there for two years. It was my first head coaching job, and uh, you know, our first year we went six and four, missed the playoffs. We're only a six win team in the state that missed the playoffs, so that was it was kind of a funky year with how the points shook out. We went four and six this year and got in. Um, so just a wild year, but long story short, we are at a small rural school. Um, you know, small towns are tight, man. They're tight knit. And when outsiders come in, um, people sometimes don't take kindly. And, um, you know, it got to the point where we were, we were struggling a little bit this year and, and my, my wife was getting MF'd up in the stands and things like that. And, you know, telling me these things after the games and, um, you know, you have your superintendent tell you you're going to, they're going to take care of these things, but then you see the, the same person that was MF and are up in the stands the very next game, you know, so those things aren't getting taken care of. So it's like, you realize very quickly, you're like, you know, maybe this isn't, you know, again, I've met a bunch of good buddies there. Um, I got a bunch of lifelong friends there now that were on my staff there. 
um, try to take a few guys with the St. Francis with me and, I, and I'll stay close to a lot of people out there still, but just like stuff like that rubs you the wrong way. And it's like, eh, you know, I don't know. I don't know if this is, and that's, that's stuff where people don't, you know, the outsiders don't realize that like when they watch and they look at your career moves and they're like, wow, that guy was there for two years. He was there for one. Then he was there for three. That's just, the, that's some of the context stuff that people don't see um, that sometimes happens when you, you know, when you're in a position like we are in. And I feel like too, man, like guys like yourselves that are quality coaches and educators, there's just less of y'all. You know what I mean? Like there's not as many people going in the profession to be a coach and a teacher. I mean, I know in my area, a bunch of, it's just a bunch of dads to some degree. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like in West yeah, Virginia, there's a lot of like, that going. I mean, I don't yeah. know how much you guys make in your states, but here a head coach makes like $4,000. That's it for the year. Um, the rest of his pay is his teaching job. So you're really getting paid $4,000 for a full-time job at least 20 yeah. hours a week. Um, and it comes with a lot of stress. I feel like, unfortunately, in today's world, you can be a victim of your own success. Um, there's a coach who just left a school really close to here who, when I was in school, because I grew up here, I mean, they were like, I was the starting quarterback. I'm going to be out by halftime because we're going to be up by a thousand on these guys. And about 15 years ago, um, it started to turn around with a coach who actually moved up here from Texas. Coach Cosper was his name. And then a really good coach named uh, Matt Rickards took over and they've won like seven or eight championships, not state, but like league championships in the last 15 years. And last year like it's like they forget where they came from because now like he got ran out of town because he didn't throw the ball to someone's kid enough last year and it's like you guys forget when you were on ESPN with like one of the all-time biggest losing streaks of all time in the early 2000s and this guy's won you seven league titles they've never they've never won the big one because they always run into you know corner canyon or one of the teams that are ranked in the top 50 in the country around here. Um, but it's like, they run him out of town. Are they going to find anyone as good as him? I, I mean, he's a hell of a coach. Um, but it's like, you can be a victim of your own success. They've won for long enough. They people have forgotten that it wasn't always eight or nine wins every year. There was a time when it was zero and 10, one and nine year after year. Uh, so that can be tough. Yeah, man. Yeah, I bet college is its own world, Coach Flynn. That's its own own deal in college. You know what? Luckily, I coached at a small school. Um, I coached at an NAIA school. Um, and so we didn't have to deal with, you know, the, the transfer portal, um, NIL stuff that all the guys are dealing with now. I talked to some of the guys at, at the school that I coached at, and even the transfer portal stuff. We have kids at St. Xavier who are tremendous small college athletes. But it doesn't matter what college the kid is at. They could go to the smallest Division three school. They think that they should be at they should be at a D2 school. You go to a D2 school, all those kids think they should be at a Division I school. You go to a small Division I school, all, every, almost every one of those kids will think that they should be playing at Michigan or Alabama. You know, and so the transfer portal has created um quite the issue and and with nil money i I was just at the glazier clinic in chicago and i was meeting with uh, a couple guys that that were that were in uh, the division one level and the nfl level 
And a couple of the guys that were in the NFL said, we'll never go back to college. Like we got out right before all this stuff hit. And I honestly think over the next five years, like it might be bad, you know, at the high school level with parents or, or it might be bad at the small college level because it's hard to recruit kids. But I think at the division one level, you're going to see more and more coaches just get out of it. It's, it's a train wreck. From you just saw. I mean, you just you just saw it with Chip Kelly taking the OC job at Ohio State. Like he's at UCLA, and there might have been some other factors that we haven't heard about. But you can't tell me that's not for all this NIL stuff going on, and and you know guys no doubt, guys rosters, guys rosters getting poached, and they're going to the Big Ten next year, and now they are going. You know, they're going from the West Coast being maybe a top four ish school in the Pac-12, and now all of a sudden they're middle of the pack. I mean, that's that's 100% what that move is. Yeah. And I think when you empower kids to like, you know, when you empower kids to be able to make those decisions, every kid I've ever run into thinks that he should be at a higher level. So as a coach, like sometimes you have to grind on a kid. Sometimes you got to challenge a kid and get on a kid. Well, now coach is being mean to me. He doesn't care about me. I'm going here because they're going to, you know, they're going to do X, Y, Z. And then they get there and they realize, you know what? Any coach worth it is going to challenge you to be better than what you what you currently are, you know, and and it makes it really difficult to challenge those kids um, to 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 be better and to do better, uh, because if you do, then you're worried like, hey, they might leave. I, you know, I think it's going to something's got to change. Something's got to happen because it's it's kind of a it's, it's a mess. I think the bigger downfall, too. I mean, the transfer portals, you know, with. Think about how many guys are lost in the portal right now. They go in and they never get out because there's no, there's not enough spots for guys. You know, that's the real unfortunate thing. Yeah, and I played ball. I don't know if this name will ring a bell to any of you guys. Does the name Courtney Tennille ring a bell to anybody? He finished mm-hmm. up. At, he finished up at Tulsa. Uh, I played football with his older brother at Benedictine College. He signed at Oklahoma. And he was a freshman and he redshirted. And I mean, he was a hell of a player, broke Oklahoma records for high school rushing yards. Atchison, Kansas. Yes, sir. And then uh, the next year during his redshirt year, they signed a kid named Adrian Peterson. (laughs) Yeah. And so I don't like, yeah, you might hit the transfer portal and get picked up by somebody, but they might get that five-star kid literally the next year. And you're back where you anyway. I don't. I don't think they understand. Those schools are always looking for. Yeah. If they can find someone better than you. I just had a. I just had an NAI. I just had an NAI coach who I connected with a couple years back. That was. He's looking to relocate to Toledo, trying to get out of college ball because of the work hours, the grind, the just the the pay that's not great. Um, he's at the NAI level at Indiana Westland. Um, trying to trying to get on my staff back in Toledo, and uh, he, you know, decided he was going to stay, but he thought about thought hard about it for a couple of weeks. He's like, it's you just- know, the nice thing for me, my position that I was in, I, I work at and at a at a wonderful school in the south suburbs of Chicago. Um, it's a beautiful school. We have amazing facilities. I make really good money teaching high school English, but I was able to coach college because it was like 30, 25 minutes away. That's awesome. There's, there's no way that I would have been able to coach there because I think they're, I think they're paying uh, their full-time assistant coaches like $35,000 a year. Yep. And like, there's no way that there's no way that I could do that. And it was crazy. Like I was a full-time English teacher and then like August, September, October, November into December, 
you know, I'm in, I'm in Missouri, Wisconsin, Iowa, Florida, Kansas, Arkansas. And, and it just got to a point uh, where like I was making $5,000 a year coaching college football. Um, and I just got to a point where I said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to go back and coach high school football. And I had, I, I had one of the best experiences of my coaching. I've been coaching now 20 years. I had probably the single best coaching experience last year, working with the, the kids and the coaches that I worked with. So I, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm super happy that I made the decision to go back to high school. Man, guys, that's awesome. Man, thank you all for coming on and doing this. Y'all took an hour of your time and, and just spewed some wisdom out here, man. This is fantastic. I really, really appreciate y'all just coming on and doing this with a guy you don't really know. I mean, a couple of y'all have been on my podcast just by yourselves, but man, I, I really appreciate that. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Josh, man. I haven't forgot about you. Uh, Kyle told me I got to get you out here for the clinic. I'm working on it. I know, man. I keep telling my wife we're going to go out to Utah at some point. So <laughs> I'm working on it. And what school are you at, Coach Flynn? I'm at Carl Sandburg High School in Orland Park. And, okay. uh, and so I'm the defensive coordinator there. Um, our head coach at the high school is actually, he's the only coach in the history of the Chicago Public League to win a state championship. And he won two of them at Phillips Academy. Um, and uh, and so he was at a third one. They lost they lost one, one, two. And he got the job at our sister school. Uh, I, I, I teach at Andrew High School, but I coach football at Sandburg. They're in the same district. So when he got the job, he reached out to me and said, hey, I hear you're not coaching football. I took a year off after St. X. Um, and so he just said, Hey, I, you know, I, I'd love for you to join the staff. And I, I, I initially kind of didn't even consider it. You know, I, I love to pheasant hunt you guys, you guys, anyone upland hunt at all quail pheasant. Mm -hmm. I'm a huge upland hunter. I love mm -hmm. it. And, uh, and so I bought, I bought a lab. I told my wife, honey, I'm done coaching football. I'm going to buy a hunting dog and I'm going to hunt a lot. And so I bought the dog, took a year off. So now I have a hunting dog and I'm back to coaching. So it's uh, yeah, you got a fat a dog is what you got. What's you that? You got a fat dog. That's what you got. No, you got a fat dog. That's what you got. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you, you know, know what? I, hey, Coach Flynn. Coach, Coach Flynn, do you know Steve Kazor? I don't. The name sounds familiar, though. He was the defensive coordinator for the Chicago Bears in 85 with Dicka, and then he coached the college of DuPage for a little bit. He, I think he's back in Detroit because he was down here for a little bit, but he was my college coach. Okay, great. Yeah, no, the name sounds familiar, but I I, I don't know him. Heck yeah, good man. dude, man. Yeah. So I I'm I'm a huge uh, fanatic of the '85 Bears. We run a lot of '46 stuff. Um, dude, I have I have the mimeographed orange three ring binder of Buddy Ryan's '46. That's fantastic. <laughs> That's awesome. It's freaking cool. Just, it's a cool thing to have. Seeing that '46. Do what now? Is it you still seeing enough of those compressed sets you can line up in the 46? You know what? I don't care. I I'll line up. up I'll, I'll, I'll line up if a team's – they could be running empty and I'll line up in it. You know? <laughs> you going zeros, threes, zeros, threes, and fives with one back? Yeah. Yeah. And so the, the greatest thing about the 46 is you align to formation, right? And so it's yeah. not our base. But if you line up double tight – we can align to it. If you come out and, and, and twins, right, you know, flex left, you know, 20 personnel, you could be an empty and 
only two guys really have to adjust. So you, you have nine, well, kind of, you have nine static players and only two guys have to adjust. So it gives you another look and we're a two high quarters team. Okay. So we're a zone, two high quarters, spill defense. And the way I look at it is if, if we're unable to, to defend the team that we're playing against, uh, what's, what's a better changeup? you know, go completely opposite of who you are and go to a single high man-to-man box odd front, you know? And so it's completely yeah. opposite of two high quarters. And, uh, and we, when we were at St. X, we were two high quarters where it ran a lot of 46. So yeah. when I got the job at Sandberg, we, we did the same thing. So we're 60% of the time we're two high quarters um, out of 500 and 500 and some snaps, a hundred of them, we were in the 46 last year. So about 20% of our snaps, we were, you know, we we're plus one, we're bringing pressure, we're stopping the run, you know, it's fun. I enjoy it. I love seeing some of those old school defenses. Uh, we ran so much 22 personnel. We got in the playoffs and this team had been like a three, three, five or a four, two, five all season against all these spread teams. And they roll out and run the old school split six again, like, bang, 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 and two backers in the A-gap. And my kids were like, coach, what the hell defense is this? <laughs> <laughs> Stick to uh, your rules. I was like, are you on or down? Thunder. On. All right, go get it. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's one of the things I did. This, one of the things I did this offseason was um, there's a, a guy that I had coached with. Do, you guys may not know the guy's name. He's kind of a regional legend. Uh, but at one point, he was the all-time winningest college baseball coach in the country. His name is Gordy Gillespie. Anybody mm -hmm. ever hear of Gordy Gillespie? Mm -hmm. Augie Garrido ended up passing him. Uh, but Gordy and this guy, Mike Slovic, worked together for years. And Mike Slovic is pushing 80 years old now. But, um, you know, he'd, he'd been running the Bears 46 defense uh, since 1970. All right. And everyone thinks the 46 is like this new defense. Um, you know, the way Buddy ran it, it evolved into being a new defense, but in 1890 and 1900 teams are running, you know, the, the seven diamond, the seven box defense, which double tight, you end up, it is the 46. So I did a lot of research on, on historical football because everybody now gets on Twitter, they get on, uh, you know, social media sites and they study all the modern new age concepts. That's easy to do. That's really yeah. easy. It's easy to learn how to, how to do all the new age stuff. So what I wanted to do is be able to like mesh historical football with modern day football. I think there, there's a lot of merit to it. If it's, if it's transcended decades, you know, there's a reason why it has. So that, that was kind of my approach this off season. Football cyclical man, coming back. Ins or zone insert. Every time I watch zone insert, I'm like, I'm pretty sure I call that ISO. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yes. That's like 1926. That's ISO. Like, yeah. And you know, we only had one school run that against us this year, and it's a hell of a play, man. Yes, you it know? is. You know what else I like offensively? I'm not an offensive coach, but if I were like, I like how everyone's starting to plus their run plays and go like power plus or counter plus, and they basically yeah. just run power or counter and then send an extra guy through to ISO the play side backer. Um, mm -hmm. I think that you're going to start seeing a lot more of that. Uh, with the, the heavier personnel, the wings and, uh, you know, fullback type guys. But if I were an offensive guy, man, 
I'd freaking I'd try to block that end so he can't spill it, and I, I'd plus as many run plays as I could. Yeah. Amen. Have you have you have you had a bunch of people start pulling other people That's besides the guards? <laughs> no, we can end it. We can end it whenever, man. No, yeah. you're good, man. Keep rocking, man. You're good. Um, yeah, you're good. So, like, one of the things that has always caused teams issues is people get in the underfront, and the 46 kind of gives you that three on the back. So, if you pull that guard, that's almost an impossible block for the center. We made a living, like, pulling the tight end on power. We'd run power week, and we would pull the tight end. No one – like, we would just down, 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 and the tight end would be the puller. Um, and that causes some problems on defense. I'm just wondering if any teams have started doing that to you guys back there. I haven't seen any of it, but man, offenses get so freaking creative. That's why I think the key is you don't really teach defenses how to stop plays per se. Now there are some where you have to, but you teach them how to read blocks, right? Like yeah. if you get a down block, here's what you do. If you get an arc block, if you get a, a, a reach block, uh, if you get a double chip up to you, you know, if there's a climber, you know, if you see puller away. So we just try to teach guys how to defeat blocks and how to defeat flow. And mm -hmm. I think by doing that, the kids are in the right position to make the play because offenses, if I had to teach my defenses how to stop every offensive play, the teams would probably hang a oh. hundred on this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, those yeah. old school beer coaches figured that out. If you defensive coach tells this, you have dive no matter what, and you have quarterback no matter what. And then the tackle just bases out on the end and they run dive and your linebackers yep. hauling ass to the quarterback instead of just filling the open window. But mm -hmm. Anyway, this could go on for days, huh, Coach Ramsey? Uh, things in front of you. <laughs> it's the things in front of you. Like we do yeah. the same thing with offensive line. We were teaching it in the in the wishbone. You know, it was again. You got to know seven or an eight call. You got to know 50, 60, 40, 60, 40, 50, 60 under. Whether it's off or tight or loose or whatever, and you have to say all of that stuff. And then if it's that front, then you have to know what your rule is based on who the defensive end is or who number three is because they're not always the same guy. And when I was in college, I was like, that's way too much. Like, I had to tell all those guys what to do. I'm one guy on the offensive line. I had to tell the freaking left tackle what he's supposed to be blocking, and I'm the right guard. Like, that doesn't work, not in today's yeah. stuff. So what we did, and, 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 and like, I get a kick out of people calling things duo because, to me, it's just forehand, four-eye zone. That's all mm -hmm. it is, whereas we teach zones on tracks. And so I don't have to worry about that crap. You know what I got to worry about? What do I have? From this shoulder pad tip to this shoulder pad tip and this way all the way around the world, all the way around the world. And if they line all 11 dudes up, then that's my responsibility, which they're never going to do. But I say that to the kids to get them to understand this is my responsibility and that's it. You don't worry about the other guy's job or nothing else. You worry about what's in front of you. But defensively is the same thing. Like when I taught inside linebackers, it was, look, pull supersedes everything. And if he pulls, you're going to fill the same gap. He just became a guard on the other side. So now your gap moved. Mm -hmm. So you've got to go fill the gap where the pull is. So it's open door. You get open door, freaking fill it, unless it's a puller. And then you follow the puller to your new gap. But it's the stuff that's in front of you, which is simplifies things. You don't need to think about all this other crap. You need to find the puller and fill it where he's filling it. Well, I, I think that's the biggest that's that's sorry the biggest thing defensive guys notice like when you're not playing good defense your defenders are trying to focus on the bigger bigger picture rather than just their keys and the, the eye discipline in the small box that's in front of them they get caught a lot of high school kids get caught watching the whole game in front of them right now and i mm. think that's where you see a lot of bad defense and, and offensive guys take advantage of it because you got kids that are trying to watch the entire picture instead of just 
their box and their eyes. How's your guys' youth football around? Because here it's like painfully obvious the first day they come as freshmen, they've been taught to find the ball. Like they're all looking for the damn football. And it's like, (laughs) I swear to God, the ball's going to go through one of these 11 gaps. They're going to go through one of these 11 gaps. You put the 240-pound kid against a 110-pound kid. That's what what those guys do. I don't care where the football is. The ball will come, I swear. <laughs> We're in a good spot at, at the school that I'm at. Uh, we we have a tremendous youth organization. Uh, it's called the Orland Park Pioneers. And uh, historically, over the last, I don't know, 20 years, uh, Carl Sandburg High School had lost a lot of kids to, to some of the Catholic schools. And the new head coach came in and, and just basically, you know, said, I'm going to make that a priority of developing good relationships with that program. Um, and over the last three years, uh, we haven't, we've lost maybe one kid, maybe two. Uh, and before it was eight, 10, 12 of the kids. Our senior class last year was 0 and 9 as sophomores, 1 and 8 as freshmen. And then our junior class was 0 and 9, 1 and 8, or 1 and 8, 1 and 8. Um, so historically, they, the, the junior and senior classes had struggled. We went 6 and 3 and made the playoffs last year. So um, our freshman group, um, it's Troy's third year. So our freshman group that came in, uh, they they were really successful. They were seven and two. Um, and there's a lot of really talented athletic kids. So I'm 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 optimistic about the next couple of years. And you know, it's a good community. Um there's a there's a great uh a mixture of uh you know upper class, middle class, uh races, uh religions, uh people. So there's there's a great makeup at the school. Um to, to win some football games, so hopefully that happens. And that's Jimmy, awesome. where 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 are you guys in relative in relation to like St. Charles, South Elgin area? Okay, so St. Charles is a little bit north and mostly west of us, about forty five minutes. Um, and then Elgin is more north. So okay. Elgin Elgin is about fifty. They're both about fifty minutes to an hour north northwest of okay. us. I I used to live there when I was oh. younger, so. Okay. Yeah, they, they yeah. play good football. They play real good football yeah. in St. Charles, man. They got a Batavia is a real good school. St. Charles yep. is a good school. Yep. So. Yep. Yep. Saint, is it St. Charles North still? They still have North and East? Is that? Oh, uh, good guy. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Yeah, there's there's St. Charles East. There's St. Charles. Yeah, there's a bunch of them. But yeah, real good schools, man. Yep. That's awesome. Well, guys, I'm going to head off here and we can continue this another time. I love this, man. Thank you all for doing all this. I'm learning. This is fantastic. This is this is better than a clinic for me. This is the clinic. Besides yeah, hit, coaches, hit we can talk ball anytime you want. Besides coaches clinic, obviously okay. in Utah, utahfbca.com. Come on now, got to get out there. We're all getting out to Casey's clinic here soon. He's going to yeah, fly you know, out we there. Yeah, we got to get Casey to put some money up and fly all of our asses out there. We'll also. <laughs> <be there. laughs> no, I, do, I do fly the guys. So if I bring you in, I'm paying for your flight and your hotel, and I'm paying for your food. Like, I'll take care of you. That's awesome. So hit me up. You guys got my cell phone number now. Um, I I flew out a bunch of dudes from Texas a couple years ago, so I decided I'm gonna have to hit some other places here for a year or so. But no, it's it's been a lot of fun. Um, you guys are all more than welcome to come talk ball if you want to talk ball. I'm down. I for some reason the coaches around here act like they're they don't want to give up the secret. And it's like, hey man, (laughs) if you're a wing T team, you're running buck crisscross belly. And waggle if I can stop the first three. Like that's all you're doing. If your X's are this big and my O's are this big, you're gonna kick my ass. Like 
it, it you know, every, it, yeah. it's, you're not going to give away the secret sauce. Um, there was no secret. We were on an ISO 17 times in a row, but Amen. if I'm going to get five yards every time, I think OCs get a little too cute for their own good. Like if you're getting four, every time you run something, Take why it, am I going to get bored, man? Just call the same, just keep calling it. That's Amen. the, that's the, that is the biggest, uh, debate i have in my own head calm plays like you know you get four or five runs in a row where you're just pounding it and you're like yeah, i'm gonna throw it here so i'm gonna throw it and <laughs> nothing good happens so don't do that don't do that all right we'll let you guys go zach sorry you're man. good no this hit is beautiful, man. Uh, jimmy josh like save my number hit me up for sure next year it's around the same week first yeah. of march usually, so yeah we'll okay. look not probably not the, yeah next year for sure that'll be something i'll put on the calendar okay. appreciate you guys beautiful, sounds man. good thanks guys Thank you, guys. We'll see you.